Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. Yeah! Touchdown! Touchdown! Panther Talk! Panther Talk! This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Our DNA is physicality, effort, smart, and the last element is finish. You know, and that's what we're going to do. That's what real men do. You know, regardless of the situation, uh, we go out there and play for, uh, you, know, you know, the name on your back of your jersey, and most importantly, the name on the front. And uh, we're going to go out and represent this week, have a great week of practice, and, and with the intentions of that leading to game day execution. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk, live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. Happy New Year, Monday, New Year. January 2nd, 2023. I'm going to start with what I said at the end of the game yesterday. There's a great line from Roger Kahn, Boys of Summer. You may glory in a team triumphant, you fall in love with a team in defeat. And there was something noble about this Panthers team, the way they battled, the way they fought all season long. It's the micro and the macro. And having said that, I want to bring in the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes. Coach, first off, Happy New Year. I hope 24 hours has given you time to step back and maybe appreciate how far this team has come. And if, if you're able to do that, what has been the most rewarding part of seeing this team battle from 1-5 and five to where they ultimately got? I, I think it's really when you talk about all the different it's uh, that we had to uh, endure, you know, um, from the coaching change to players leaving, coaches leaving, uh, who's starting that quarterback, who's not, this guy playing, this guy's not. Uh, and they continue to find a way, as you just mentioned, continue to fight, persevere, uh, and play hard. So, man, I, I just respect those guys so much uh, for everything that they've gone through and how they continue to fight. Coach, you've also raised the expectations of that locker room of becoming winners and and, and not giving up. Uh, my question to you is, who do you go to when you got those tough decisions to make? Who do you rely on? What mentors do you, you have, or these are mentors that's been in the past that you rely on? Well, I, I mean, I have a lot of people that, that have um, had a major impact on my uh, life personally as well as – uh, professionally, you know, um, Coach Tyron Willingham, um, uh, Ruffin McNeil, who I had opportunity to see uh, uh, just recently here at the bowl game. He coaches uh, with NC State staff now, uh, and then Coach Ron Rivera. So I, I can go on, but but those three have definitely truly made 
uh, a major impact on me. And Steve, there's a game to go, of course, but uh, there's a core of young players here. Uh, how valuable is this experience, uh, even though it didn't have the outcome you wanted yesterday, but in terms of building blocks, this team's not been in the playoffs for a couple of years, to to gain on that goal and to grow with with young players having that opportunity to have these experiences, kind of earn their stripes a little bit, if you will? I think it's great because, you know, they started to understand and learn what uh, relevant football is, you know, late in the season and, you know, how you need to really be playing your best in uh, December and January. So uh, to be playing or to have the opportunity to be playing meaningful football, I think is encouraging for uh, this team, particularly the young guys that you mentioned. And it's something for those guys to continue to grow uh, and experience with. Coach, for you personally, where do you feel that maybe you've evolved the most as a head coach from your year in Arizona to you know these last 11 games here? Uh, I think it's part of uh, the it factor as well. You know, um, I tell the guys, man, you know, it's a speed bump. And uh, just being able to get over the different hurdles that may come uh, your way on a day-to-day basis, things that may not even concern with, uh, with ball. And, um, you know, just having that experience to be able to lean back on on past experiences has definitely helped me uh, this go around. And uh, I would also say just being heavily involved in uh, every aspect uh, of the day-to-day operation, you know, from all three phases, you know, things outside of football, uh, dealing with the players. So, um, you know, I've grown in all aspects in regards to that. Coach, I want to go on the field, field uh, and particularly in the secondary, uh, Mike Evans got deep on a couple of passes where it really changed the 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 complexion of the game, uh, kind of moving moving forward. Did you at any time think about maybe I might have to double him at times or I'm going to have the safety come over top? I know there was a cover two situation that the safety had three receivers on one side, so that he may have to, have to change the defense. But were there any talks on the sideline to go ahead and – see what you can do to to quell that. Yes, I mean, I mean when you look at uh, one of our base coverages, which is, you know, just actually uh, quarters, uh, cover four across the board, um, you, you felt like, you know, uh, that's a great call. Yes. Um, you know, we, we need to get, you know, more pressure on the quarterback. And I think we need to be a little bit more sound in our technique in regards to when we flip our hips to turn and run. Uh, that gave up really the big one over the top, the first one. And then when you look at, um, as you just mentioned, our opportunity to be able to play cover two to that side, which we worry in. Um, and, you know, Xavier is one of our smartest guys, you know, and I, and I talked to him about that in the, in the team meeting. And said, Ben, I pride myself when speaking of you. That's one of the first things I say, how, how intelligent you are as a football player, you know, and, for him to work back over the top to the three receiver side, I know Brady pumped him a little bit, but we can't abandon the corner on the weak side, particularly when we are in two man. And uh, you would like for uh, CJ, you know, to execute a little bit more in regards to you know with his technique. I hate to talk about Brady, but I want to ask a question on your opinions and your reflections of decades of having to game plan against him. And, of course, different teams, different skill set players with him now. But as you've had to do this through the years, uh, just when you saw yesterday at the age of 45, you know, how close was a performance like that to a vintage Tom Brady, maybe in his late 20s, in terms of just the accuracy and uh, just the intelligence? Uh, I think that's what, what you ended with, Jim. I think that's where it is because as you get older and 
you know, your body may not be the same. Uh, your mind still has to be uh, fast on that level of being able to process things. And his level of intelligence, as you just mentioned, man, he's seen so many different looks. Uh, he knows exactly where to go with the ball. And that little slight look uh, to throw Xavier off, a guy that has experience back there. Yeah. Um, you know, he pulled him off his spot and then came back where he wanted to go. So, you know, he, he he's, you know, definitely the uh, the best to ever play that position. Uh, tremendous respect for him, uh, his craft, and the things that he's been able to do throughout his whole career. Coach, as we look ahead to New Orleans after coming off a loss like yesterday, what was your first message to the team today? Well, number one, we have to flush this game and uh, put it behind us. Um, you know, and regardless of the record and regardless of the, the implications that, we're, you know, we're not going to the playoffs, uh, we got to finish strong and uh, talked about our DNA, the physicality and effort being number one, which I felt like we did that yesterday. Uh, didn't play as smart as we wanted to. And that's number two. Uh, but we saw that finish. And that's what I talked about. The way we finished the game and how we have to finish this season. Uh, is critical and and that's what that's what real men do you know uh, regardless of the outcome uh, of, of the year you know we want to finish on a positive note and I have all um, the respect for those guys in that locker room that that's what they're going to do so coach uh, do you go over with a maybe a fine-tooth comb there was some is there was some issues with um, maybe BCR bootleg container reverse uh, also even on the the punt when the punt was uh, fumbled and picked back up, there was uh, – he gets on the outside, the, the, the punter on the outside, and the contain from that outside coming to block the punt uh, was not intact. So did you did you talk about those things, or did you have the coaches talk about those little fine-tuning things that, that allows you to win a game as opposed to lose a game? Yes, yes, you're right, Eugene. And, um, you know, I, I allow the coaches to coach, but in the team meeting – I probably at times may have anywhere between 10, 15, sometimes even 20 plays from the game involving all three phases. And uh, that was definitely one that we talked about because late in the game, as, you know, inconsistently as we played at times, uh, we still had a chance to win that game in the end. And then uh, to have the opportunity for him to drop the ball. And I know these guys were going to their launch point, but the one of the critical things I said was, you know, we talk about our eyes being the number one weapon. Once he dropped the ball, uh, his only way to escape, he's not running inside no. where everybody else is aligned. He's going to the outside. So immediately at that point, you know, CJ, uh, excuse me, um, TJ yes. and uh, Damien should have worked immediately to the outside to try to keep contained. Uh, this guy did a tremendous job. You know, he's a rookie punter from Georgia. Um, and you know, for him to get get a, get that ball off, man, I thought it was just like wow. I thought we had a chance. Turnovers aside, uh, there were some highlights on offense, which included that opening drive when you guys came out throwing and they were loading the box, and you were able to, to defeat them by uh, not being uh, running into that box so much. And of course, you do want to establish the run at some points there, but was that another kind of a, a growth moment in being able to be? multifaceted, you know, not able to have a 300-yard passing game on a day where they were loading the box and daring you to throw. Yes, it is, and it, and it says a lot, you know, number one with um, Sam. Um, you know, we talked as a staff, we was telling the guys, you know, anticipate and be ready for, 
you know, what Pittsburgh did to us. And exactly, they did that early on, trying to stack and load the box. And, you know, you have to be smart enough to take what they're giving you to eventually hopefully be able to get what you want. And uh, I thought uh, Sam did a tremendous job, the whole offense did, and really, you know, orchestrating a, a great drive and putting points on the board early. You know, Sam made some uh, phenomenal throws. Um, the one that DJ down the sideline for the touchdown, you know, great pause in the pocket with shy across the middle in the end zone. Um, you know, he had uh, Gio on the seam ball down the seam. Uh, so he he did some great things, but you know he would tell you as I mentioned to him as well, you know the one with Sully. I mean he has a strong arm. He needs to get that one out to him. Sully yeah. six four, you know the safety wasn't there. He cut the uh, over route. The backside corner didn't climb quick enough. He just needs to throw that one out there, you know. And mm-hmm. then you know just the the smart element of our DNA, you know, mishap with the snap, and we just got to fall on it, you know, yes, and try to pick it up. So. A lot of things to learn and, and grow from, and uh, you know that's that's what we in, intend to do. Just being able to uh, come out of this game, Coach. One last thing: there have been a lot of player success stories in terms of growth through the course of this season. What are a few that you're most proud of? Uh, definitely proud of uh, Terrace. You know, Terrace Marshall. You know, I went back and I was watching. Um, just before we, we got on this call, the uh, the Saints came from the, from the uh, first time and, um, you know, didn't see him, you know, didn't perform at all. And the way the way he's, you know, progressed throughout the year, um, I mean, it's just amazing. And I think he's growing up each and every week. And looking at that game, that was an opportunity right there for, I think, you know, LaVisca, that's when he first showed up on the scene and uh, had that long touchdown off the uh, bubble screen. So, uh, you know, just seeing the growth of those guys is phenomenal, you know, to get our run game going the way it has with, um, you know, Deontay Foreman and those guys, man, has been extremely impressive. Well, Coach, appreciate your time. Um, just an incredible run from where this team was in mid-October to where they are here in 2023. Not the ending I know you wanted, but a lot was accomplished. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Hey, right, thank you, guys. Yeah, appreciate you. Keep pounding. Steve Wilkes, interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and you know I think I know he doesn't want to talk about it. That's why you know we don't ask him. But um, and he deflected it really well during the press conference when he was asked about you know his future at Carolina. Um, before we go to break, it it is a topic, and um, he's earned consideration. He's earned significant consideration given what he's done. You think about the scenario, and he outlined it at the beginning of the interview. It's like being at a poker table and someone hands you six straight hands of 2-7 offsuit and you get to the final table against the big stack and you go heads up and you almost get them. You're not even supposed to be there. I mean, you're not – you take over a team and you, no one has any expectations and you're not supposed to be there. And because of that, I think that he's really forced to – He's taken that locker room by storm, and he's changed the expectations. And guys were actually flat out playing. You can see it. They were who who wouldn't go down to Tampa Bay, where you go and give them a three to six point advantage being in Tampa anyway. Tom Brady, and then go head to head with them and almost come out to pull out a game. I mean, I think the expectations that everybody has and people are like, oh, I can't believe we lost the game to that is because they want him to win. 
and they want to see him do well because I think he is the guy. I think it's uh, it's been an incredible job. He didn't get to buy any of the groceries, but he had to take the ingredients in and make the things that are happening here. Chicken salad sometimes. I mean, so from a right. one in four, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even say I say one in five because he had a, a partial week to get ready for the LA game, yes, and sir. they had to cobble something together that uh, isn't what they're playing now. Uh, so I would even say, just if you look at the record, five and five is how I would judge it. So a five hundred team is what he's made this out of a team that was a one in five team. And I would say that uh, in terms of just beyond those numbers, just, again, the, the culture, the leadership. I like the fact that he even stood there today and said, you know, three long touchdowns. That last one I'm taking the blame for because we dialed up a blitz and we should have called that blitz off. And uh, so we all had a hand in this. So the fact that he jumps right in and doesn't just name players but uh, points the thumb at himself, I like all of it. I like everything that, that he's done about the job that he's had in the know, 12 no games or whatever it's yeah. been. And he's brought hope. He's brought optimism. Back to this franchise, which in mid-October, let's be honest, it wasn't there. A lot to do on Panther Talk. We're going to have some fun in the next segment. Jessica Charman, who you've heard on the Charlotte FC broadcast, talk a little football, football with her. We've got Austin Corbett, who we'll hear from, part of this offensive line that's been a big strength this season. And then Aaron Summers will join us later in the show. Uh, later in the show. She's the Saints team reporter. All that ahead on Panther Talk here on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Welcome back in Ashraf, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoki. This next segment involves a little cross-pollination. Charlotte FC meets Carolina Panthers, so we bring in Jessica Charman, you have heard her on the Charlotte FC radio broadcast. She is the color analyst, and uh, everything she says sounds smarter than anything we say because she has a British accent. So, Jessica, <laughs> welcome to the program, and even if you tell lies, we'll never know. We'll trust you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You say that, but maybe not when I'm talking about American football. I'm sure not even an accent gets me away with sounding like I have a credible amount of knowledge about <laughs> you guys' sport. Well, let me start here then. Let's start with the fans. Um, what have you noticed from, as you call it, American football fans versus what we like to call soccer fans? What's the difference? Um I think there's a lot of parallels, right? I think they're very passionate. I think they get very frustrated quickly. There's a short lease of life when it comes to loving on managers and players don't have very much forgiveness. So I think there's a lot of parallels with that. I will say that I think the soccer fans take that craziness an extra notch up when it comes to the passion, when it comes to the chance, when it comes to the environment in the stadium. But I do love American football fans, apart from the fact they, they like to give me a lot of stick about talking about soccer. Apparently, um, they're not always very good fans of the round-shaped ball over here. This is Eugene. I wanted to talk about the finals of the, of the, uh, of the World Cup. Uh, every eye was glued to the television of a great final that's going to go down in the history of being one of the best finals of a World Cup ever. Yeah, I mean, the World Cup as a whole was incredible in terms of the on-the-field action, right? It was amazing other than the fact the U.S. got knocked out, England got knocked out. We didn't really like that, did we? But the final in terms of France versus Argentina, I don't think you get much better of a spectacle in terms of a game. It had everything. It had the excitement in terms of a team going ahead. It had the comeback. It had the fight. It had penalties and, you know, penalty shootout in the end, which didn't really feel like the fair way to decide the game between two I know. Imagine if there was an like. It's one of those where you wish there was a different way to to finish the game. But 
it was incredible. And it had neutrals watching. It had all sorts of sports fans watching. And I think it gave soccer this World Cup. I feel like we saw a lot of growth of the sport in America. I mean, so many people were watching. So many people were talking about it. And when you have a game like that, it sort of shuts up, to put it politely, the people that talk about soccer being a boring sport, because I don't think you could watch that game in any fashion and think it was boring. How does that compare to a Super Bowl or to a playoff game that you may have watched here? Um, I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> I, I watch American football, but I don't remember too many games because they don't stand out to me too much. I'll say the one I compare it to was the Falcons uh, Super Bowl. Uh, I obviously went to college in, in um, Georgia, so I followed a little bit of the Falcons, which I know will make a lot of Panthers fans not very happy. I didn't say I supported them. I just watched some of the games. But that Super Bowl had a lot of drama, right, in terms of the comeback, in terms of the team, thinking they'd run away with the game and then choking, to put it politely. And I think that that would be one I'd compare it to. It was one that has people talking about it still now. You see the memes, right? Anytime anyone yes. from Atlanta talks about anything, they get that meme thrown back down their throats. And I think it's one of those where French people for a very long time are going to have this game um, joked about towards them, and they're not going to take it down too very well. Jessica, this is Jim Zoki. I've never actually met you in person, but I, of course, work at the radio station where Willie P., Mac and T-Bone and all those guys are. So I apologize in advance for all of those people. But I didn't realize till like halfway through the season that you were not a local. I mean, you, you basically you road trip to all these games that you're doing here. You're not right here in the Charlotte area. Just talk about your passion for the sport and this opportunity of broadcasting Charlotte FC because obviously it means a ton to you to, to put in the amount of time and effort and you do such a great job with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've fallen in love with Charlotte. I'll tell you that is definitely somewhere that I could see myself living at some point in my career. Um, yeah, I, I live in Atlanta right now because that's where I went to college. Um, I ended up coming across the pond on a soccer scholarship because it was the best way to be able to combine education and playing the sport. So I was very fortunate to get a full ride to college, but it was in college that I fell in love with broadcasting. I would play for the women's team, commentate the men's team, and I knew it was what I wanted to do from the moment I started talking about sports. I mean, there's nothing greater than getting paid to talk about sports. Yes. You guys know it. it's an incredible <laughs> privilege for us to be able to be trusted with that opportunity. I found out about Charlotte literally about a year ago to the day. It was a blessing. I got a phone call. They said, hey, listen, someone dropped out. Would you be interested? And within 30 wow. seconds, wow. I said yes right away. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how far away I was going to drive. I didn't, I'll be honest, geographically, I wasn't even sure how far I was committing to. I'll completely be real. I probably thought it was like two, three hours away, not the four and a half, but it didn't matter. And every time I get in that car, people ask me, isn't that like a pain? And I'm like, no, it's a privilege. I feel grateful every day I get to call the game and to tell the story of Charlotte FC. And I think what makes it even more special is the fact I've been able to call it from day one, right? Not many people get mm -hmm. the opportunity to talk about a franchise from the minute it's existed and to know every single story. So I'm extremely blessed, and I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to work with Willie P. Um, I know you touched on Willie P, Mac and Bone and their characters, but their characters that I feel fortunate to get to work with most of the time. <laughs> Great well, Jessica, uh, before we let you go, having covered Charlotte FC and they have – uh, been a groundswell here in this city, and they've captivated a lot of this city. W what is the cross-section of Charlotte FC fans and Panther fans? Does that exist? Is it two separate entities, or do you see a pretty healthy cross-section of the two? No, I think there is a cross-section. I think it needs to continue to be a cross-section. I feel like if you live in the Carolinas, you should support all of your teams, right? You should wear the jerseys of every team that represents your state. Uh, I think you should be very proud of that, and we're seeing – a lot of Charlotte FC fans and a lot of Charlotte FC jerseys at Panthers games. We're seeing Panthers people coming to our events. And I think it needs to continue because if we can build the atmosphere 
at a Panthers game that we see at Charlotte FC. We talk about a 12th man in soccer broadcast in terms of getting an extra player on the pitch when you have that fan behind you. And I think that's something that the Panthers can really strive towards having. And I urge Charlotte FC fans to go out and support their American football team too, particularly when there is this gap in the season mm-hmm. where you don't have a sport to go cheer for. Jessica Charman, we hear her voice on the Charlotte FC broadcasts. Uh, you've done a terrific job here in this first season. Continued success to you, and hopefully we can have you back maybe in studio and give Eugene a hard time uh, in person. <laughs> yeah, you need to do that. Thank you, absolutely. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Jessica Charman, first game for Charlotte FC, by the way, against New England, the Revolution, on the 25th I of hate February. <laughs> hey, you know, the first Charlotte FC game I went to was actually against New England. It was the second home game. It was their first win. So, Oh, wow. I went to uh, the New York match, and it happened to be the day New York's wearing, like, the, the Panther color blue, and we're wearing mint or something like that. So I was, like, the first five minutes cheering for the wrong team. <laughs> But Charlotte FC but Charlotte won 1-0. They, they, they won 1-0. 1-0. Yeah. In the match yeah. on the pitch. In the match on yeah. the pitch. Uh, we're back. We'll hear from Austin Corbett on the other side in the Carolina Panthers radio network. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Brought to you by Coke. Official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. We're here with Panthers right guard Austin Corbett. When you run at will, what's that like from your perspective up front? Yeah, you know, we always talk about uh, we just got to get our running backs to the second level and um, let them, you know, make their make their things happen from there. But, you know, they're getting to the third level a lot. And so when you can do that just over and over, and, um, yeah, that's a dream right there. And uh, even with the success, now it's about, okay, go back, step back, I mean, division opponent coming up. Um, they're, they're going to look at and know how to do it. They're going to watch the Pittsburgh game, and it's copycat league, so got to be ready to make those adjustments. From your standpoint, to kind of now put together a string of wins, get on a little run here to close the season, what will that take? Uh, really, it's just taking a day at a time. It's, uh, we've had enough chaos going on, enough. There's enough things to make those excuses, you know, with everything early in the season. and. Um, guys just aren't about that. I think that's really the, the beautiful thing about this this year and the progression that it's been. And, and uh, really guys are just truly bought into one another, trust one another, trust the coaches, trust the staff. And um, that's all it takes is just that one day at a time mentality that Coach Wilkes preaches all the time. And from there, we just go be ourselves. Where has Steve Wilkes made the biggest impact in this locker room? Um, you know, I think for him, just with everything that was going on there with, you know, him stepping in, um, all the trades that were made, losing guys, and uh, just all the different pieces moving around at quarterback and really just being that being that glue to keep everybody together there while those those few, few weeks right after everything went went down, that's, that was such a pivotal time to keep everyone together because uh, things definitely could have gone wrong. But he had been in situations before. He would seen things, and he'd known that this league is – is crazy. You know, there's been plenty of teams that started, you know, one and seven, one and six. I mean, the Lions right there, right? And they, they went on a run. And, um, you know, the playoffs isn't about the best team. It's about, you know, the hot team. And so um, his ability to hold us all together and get everybody on the same page has truly been remarkable. Is it in some ways kind of a point of pride for you guys and the guys up front to know, hey, so much of our team's success starts with U5? And, and I guess you throw Cam Irving and even Cade Mays into that mix. You got the Arby's package. I, do you guys sort of take it, hey, when we drive the bus and we can run, run the ball and move people off the line, 
good things happen. Yeah, 100%. I think um, really at any level, any level of football, um, every offensive lineman truly believes that. And it really is a fact. It's not even a belief. It's the offensive line is, is going to set the tone for the team. They're, they're going to, you know, you're only going to go as far as your offensive line. And so, um, you know, I think with us in that room and uh, just the stability we've had all year and um, to, to provide uh, just some structure for, for the team, uh, that's something that we love. We want that burden. Um, we want that, that pressure because, you know, pressure is a privilege. And uh, when, you, when you go out there, that's exactly what we want to do, to go out and uh, just set the tone for the entire team and get it done one play at a time. Last thing, tell me there's something in the playbook where one of your big guys was able to touch the ball and get in the end zone. Yeah, you know, it's definitely you know tough for the interior guys, right? We're trying to bend some rules, trying to somehow get an interior guy eligible, you know, get a little center throwback in there, get a guard eligible. Very unlikely. Uh, well, maybe we get Cade or Cam Irving, right? You know, it's always big man touchdowns are always fun across the league. You, whenever you, when any team has them, you're always you're always excited for them. And, uh, hopefully, we can make one happen. I mean, it's this late in the game, though. I mean, anything's got to be in the playbook because it's, it's playoff time. So, and anything's open at this point. And it's time to go win a game. Austin, thank you. Appreciate you. Panthers football is heard exclusively on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Presented by Morris Jenkins. Touchdown, Carolina Panthers. Join us next Sunday as the Panthers travel to New Orleans to face the Saints. Kickoff on the network is set for 1 o'clock. Morris Jenkins, official heating, air conditioning, and plumbing services partner of the Carolina Panthers. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Brought to you by Atrium Health. Because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. One game remains in the regular season for the Panthers. and Shrop, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoki. Carolina closes out the 2022 season in 2023 at New Orleans on Sunday. And yeah, it's interesting, the Panthers lose to the Buccaneers, eliminated from the playoffs. New Orleans goes out, beats Philadelphia, and had the Panthers beaten the Bucks, the Saints would have entered Week 18 in playoff contention as well. They would have needed a win against Carolina and a Tampa Bay loss. However, Tampa Bay wins the NFC South, so we're all eliminated. And let's bring in Erin Summers. She is the Saints team reporter, so kind to join us here on Panther Talk. And Aaron, New Orleans, very quietly, and, and yes, too little, too late, but very quietly, they've put together a little winning streak here down the stretch. What's been different about this team of late? Hey, Anisha, thank you for having me. It's been very different over the last three games, not only just the fact that they've won, but coming out of the bye, I think the team finally got kind of healthy and things started to click. Talking to head coach Dennis Allen today, he said that a lot of people were in new roles this year, talking about the coaching staff, and it took some time for them to get comfortable, for the team to come together. And they played so many games in a row. They had a late bye. They were really beat up. I think after that Tampa Bay loss, right before the bye week, the team kind of had to look inward and say, all right, what are we going to make of the rest of our season? Like The loss to Tampa Bay hurt. It happened in the last two minutes of the game. I know you guys know how that feels right now. And they had to decide that what they wanted to make of the rest of their, their year, kind of control what you could control. And they said, we want to win four games. We want to come back from the bye and go 4-0. They've just been locked in, and the defense, I think, has been the big key. What has Andy Dalton given this team? 
consistency. Uh, he's very calm. His approach, he always seems like he's in control of things. No, never gets rattled. I think you know what you're going to get from him. He's a very smart player, and he's he's been a good veteran leader in that locker room. I know not all fans are excited about him playing and being the quarterback because he doesn't have those huge, big, flashy moments. But we have seen him as the year has gone on throw for some of those big plays and mix it in a little bit with the, the help of Taysom Hill. And they've had some interesting moments on the offense. But, I mean, Dalton is just routinely going to move you down the field. And I think that they've relied on that as kind of a steady, a steadying force of their offense. And, of course, you know, here we had the in-season coaching change with Steve Wilkes taking over. What's it been like for Dennis Allen in that transition, taking over for Sean Payton, a little bit of a legend, honestly. I mean, you look at his legacy in New Orleans, and it looks like he'll coach against somewhere else, but uh, big shoes to fill. How has Dennis Allen been able to uh, win the fans over in New Orleans and the players, and how's that process going? Yeah, I mean, Coach Dennis Allen has had the respect of the defensive side of the ball for so long. He's done so well focusing on that side of things. And when you have somebody like Coach Payton that has accomplished what he has, who has been there for 15 years, it's really hard to, I think, take over and keep the, the regiment the same. Pretty much everybody stayed in their position. So just a little bit of a shift with Dennis Allen moving up to the head coaching role, um, the, the dual defensive coordinators. And people just kind of had to, the coaching staff had to adapt to not having Coach Payton in the building. Um, Pete Carmichael is now the guy on the offensive side of the ball. That's different for him. And then Dennis Allen trying to figure out how to be the head coach and still oversee some of the defense. Just took a little while for them to all get comfortable in their roles. And I think the fan base has had a hard time because they expected this team, as did a lot of people, to be very successful this season with all of the people that we thought we were going to have on the field. So it was probably a little bit of a disappointment for them. But I think over the last few games, he's really regained the trust of the fans. We're talking with Saints team reporter Aaron Summers. Aaron, we got a glimpse of how good Chris Olave could be in week three. Uh, That was his best game of the season. And all of a sudden the Panthers said, whoa, this this kid, this rookie out of Ohio State could play. How would you assess the rookie season he's now put together over 17 weeks? He is so mature. He came in and his approach to the game is so far beyond a rookie. He said that he attributes a lot of it to what he had to do at Ohio State and the way that they, what they expected of their players, the level of play all the time. But he's come in and he's just attacked the game. He's studied, he's learned the playbook and he's seamlessly fit in. He's quick. Um, he is really good just getting off the line and shaking defenders. I really like him. I think he's very smooth. Um, smooth is a word that a lot of the players have used to describe him and just his movements and motions on the field. I think he's going to be a great asset for this team for years to come. Has this been a down year for Elvin Kamara? It's been a different year for him for sure. You know, usually we're seeing him get into the end zone a lot more than he has, which hasn't been the case. But over the past, you know, the second half of the season, I think he's really started to find his rhythm on the offensive side. Not being used as much in the passing game as he has been in the past as well. But I think that's because we don't have any other running backs besides him right now. 
Mark Ingram getting hurt. He's been out for, for several games now. So they've kind of had to try to adjust the offense throughout the season based on injuries. He's definitely getting used a lot, getting a lot of touches, um, especially over the past couple games. Him and Taysom Hill have been used a lot. But it's it's not – I don't know if it's a down year for a typical player, but for him I think he would like to get into the end zone more and be more impactful. You know, here we got questions about will Steve Wilkes be the coach moving forward? Will Sam Darnold possibly be the quarterback moving forward since you're also eliminated from playoff contention? What are maybe uh, you know two or three of the, the biggest pressing – things that the Saints are looking into and the fans are wondering about heading into this offseason? Well, the the Saints are still in salary cap, quote-unquote, hell for a little while. <laughs> so <laughs> um, not going to be able to make big moves, especially without any top draft picks. Uh, obviously, if Coach Payton does decide to come back into or Sean Payton decides to come back into coaching, then there will be some draft picks that will come the Saints' way. So they could use those to go out and get, I think they need another solid running back. Definitely going to look at the quarterback position. I think that's the biggest question mark for them. Who are they going to go with next season? Uh, Are they going to re-sign Andy Dalton? Because he was only signed on a one-year contract. Then who is it going to be behind him? Are you going to try to draft somebody maybe second round, or do you get a higher pick with the possible kickbacks from Coach Payton getting a job somewhere? And you can move up into the first round maybe and and get a better pick. But I think quarterback for sure um, and then running back. And and then I think they're going to have to maybe move some people around too just to kind of help with the salary cap. Aaron Summers, Saints team reporter. Aaron, before we let you go, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. New Year's or Christmas Eve, Panthers played their coldest home game in franchise history. It was 20 degrees. We all complained about it because – that's what broadcast people do when it's cold outside. Um, mm-hmm. You had tweeted out a viral video because the Saints were in Cleveland. Can you describe what Cleveland was like on Christmas Eve? So I you know, just had to go out and do these little promotional videos, right? They're like 15 seconds for Instagram. I'm like, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get back inside. I didn't put on enough clothes, one. Two, I didn't realize how bad the wind would be. And as soon as I got underneath the, the cover of the hotel, it just smacked me in the face. My eyes started watering, would not stop. I looked miserable in that video, but it was kind of, you know, apropos for how the, it felt in the weather because Friday was much, much worse than Saturday was. Saturday, I was a little more prepared. I had electric socks on. <laughs> so there you go. Aaron. Yeah, I mean – while I was hearing wild stories about what people were doing to stay warm. Aaron, I'm sorry I didn't know you two weeks ago because I grew up in Cleveland. I would have warned you. I've not, not seen the video, but uh, I apologize. And it's part of why I moved to Charlotte, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's different up there. Oh, yeah. Cold Aaron news. Summers, the team reporter for the Saints. Hey, they, they play indoors. I just te- checked the temperature. It's going to be 69 and rainy. It doesn't matter. Saints playing doors. Oh, no, it'll be 45 degrees in the dome. They they keep it cold in the dome. Yeah, you do keep it cold. It is. It's bad for us up there. Yeah. (laughs) Not as cold as Cleveland, however. Aaron, we'll see you this weekend. Thank you. Sounds great, guys. See you soon. All right. Uh, Saints-Panthers, final regular season game, week 18 this Sunday. We'll be back here on Panther Talk. You're listening to the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. 
Last segment, Anish Shroff, Jim Zoki, Eugene Robinson, Broadcast Roundtable is brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean with tri-clean Sitco gasoline. Sitco, let's go together. Eugene, I'm going to tee you up with an analogy, and you know where I'm going with this. So imagine if we're all salespeople and we didn't hit our numbers and some outside consulting company comes in, and instead of giving us the pep talk on, hey, you got to hit your numbers next quarter, it's, hey, it doesn't really matter if you hit your numbers. In fact, go the other way. Just go worse with your numbers. Have fewer sales because that way your company can get rid of you and can bring in somebody younger with more upside, and it'll be good for the company in the long run. No. It's tanking, no. basically. Right? So all these fans out there, and I, and I hear a lot of it, and I understand it, higher draft pick and all that stuff. Eugene, explain why that does not apply inside the locker room. First of all, there's no guarantee about that, about any draft pick is going to be the person of the guy, all right? So he's always taking a chance there. But just the integrity of the individual that plays professional football, you're a football player. You're a professional. You've done this ever since you were in, you know, high school, uh, elementary school. You, you played football all your life. You've been indoctrinated. You've been coached. You've been everything. And everything in your DNA tells you that you give 100% when you're out there, bar none. You give 100% in the locker room. You give 100% all, all day long because what you put in on film – Will be, will live there forever, if you will. So, you don't forget the guys in that locker room. That team won't be the, the same team together next year. A lot of guys will be gone from that team, and you want to make sure that you don't take it, have a bad game, and end up losing out with another team that might want to go ahead and give you a contract because this team let you go. So, no, you can't take it. None of that stuff works at all. Give it a hundred percent. If you don't want to give it a hundred percent, then get out of the way. It can't be done. I mean, you have to lose organically, and here's why. Because you'd have to have so – think about it. Just I like how you said that. Let's do the investigation part. You'd have to have whatever number of people involved to to pull off a tank. It would be like a coup. An Ocean's Eleven tank. So you'd have to have this many people involved, and none of them speak or say anything to their wives or just whatever. So, I mean, there's just no way to have enough people involved nope. that wouldn't know about it. And the other thing is you tank, and then you end up with David Carr or Zach Wilson or whatever anyway. So you might as well just draft where you are. You can always trade up. I mean, there's nothing, you know, we should have probably, different regime, I'll say that, we should have probably traded up and gotten Justin Herbert. So it's like, if you think someone's going to take a guy you want, you could trade up and, and jump them if you feel that strongly about a player, a quarterback in particular. So there's always a ways around it. It's a slap in the face to you. I mean, I would, if you don't come prepared to work and do what you're doing it's not, and you want to take it out there, I would think that you're unprofessional at all. I was like, man, I thought this guy was somebody who you can depend on. That's what you're talking about. So it has never come up. That word has never come up in a locker room, right? Tanking. Well, no. I've seen guys want to quit. I've seen that, and you you get some contention in the locker. But that room. happens to Jim's point organically. Yes, it happens organically. Yeah, sometimes yes. you can't help because you're just not good enough yeah, to win, and then happens, it's okay. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit. If you different. just stink, then you deserve the reward. But if you if you're gonna go take it on purpose because you think that you're gonna get a draft pick on this and that, that's the wrong thing. I'm not in favor of none of that stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. You're also auditioning for. <laughs> Yeah, right. 31 other teams, you know potentially. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Word spreads. It does. And usually if you tank, you're helping the next regime. Because <laughs> probably have a different – if you're that bad, you're the worst team. Like Houston very well could have a different coach next year. Yeah. Kind of uh, listen, I, I think this Panther team is going to go out there on Sunday against New Orleans, the final game. They love their head coach. The locker room is with the head coach. They're going to try to win it for Steve Wilkes. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.